Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and builds specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Team, welcome to the Freedom Hut Thursday, August 4th edition of the program. We have Mayor Adams of New York City saying that the criminal justice system here is broken and dropping a whole bunch of stats and anecdotes about just how messed up it is specifically with respect to recidivism, as in people that commit crimes and then commit them again and again and again and don't get punished. Why? We will dive into that. Plus, the hearings up on Capitol Hill about gain-of-function research with some pretty scary possibilities coming out of it, uh, given what we've seen from the COVID pandemic. Worth asking, one, did this in fact come from a lab? Because it looks like it came from a lab. And two... Could it be a lot worse in the future unless we stop this stuff? We will dive into that, my friends, much, much to make sense of. And then perhaps a little bit on the reconciliation bill that will now allegedly get passed with the help of Kristen Cinema and some changes she is thinking about. We'll see what's up with that, if we have time. Have you ever wanted to invest in real estate, but you didn't? Uh, but you didn't know how to do it? Speak the English, Buck. 
You got to check out Done For Your Real Estate. I am a real estate investor now, thanks to these guys. I have never done it before, and I'd never even bought a house before. Here's what happens. You reach out to Done For Your Real Estate. You make an appointment with them. You can do it via Zoom. You don't have to show up in person. And via Zoom, I know the founders. I know the people that work for this company. They're great people. I trust them. I've given them a lot of business personally. You can trust them, too. I've had tremendous success using their system, their approach. They just take you through every step of the real estate investment process. Uh, They make sure that you know what city you should think about investing in, right? And then they help you. When I say city, I mean what region, right? Usually the cities, the area. And then they have a team of brokers on the ground that they've worked with, that they know, understand the market really well. They'll tell you why they think this is a growth market. So you learn a lot about the process, about the market in that area. You get expertise through their expertise. Then when you've picked out the house, they put you directly in contact with a mortgage uh, mortgage lender, and then you get the you get the loan. You buy the house, and they'll put you in touch. At that point, they'll take you to the next step of a management company that they already have ready to go. That will help you get a tenant in place, handle anything. I just had a you know an AC had to be replaced at one of the houses that I own through Done for Your Real Estate. Management company handled the whole thing. Right, I didn't even really know about it till I. Saw the uh, the end of month statement. It's, it's just great. And I get that free cash flow coming to me every month, and I'm building up equity over time. Become a real estate investor. Do it the smart, safe, stable way with Done For Your Real Estate. Go to doneforyoubuck.com to see how their system works. Doneforyoubuck.com. One more time, that's doneforyoubuck.com to become a real estate investor. I have been saying stuff about the criminal justice system in the era of progressive prosecutors, and I've been talking to you all about what has happened as a result of their decisions, Um, what has happened in major cities and now even towns and rural areas across the country that are under the control of these progressive prosecutors for a long time. And everything I told you has been proven correct, true. And now even the libs, the Democrats, are having to admit this in some places. Not everywhere. They're still fighting against it. You're going to find someone, you know, former public defender, part of the Soros Institute, who says, oh, it's just we need to deal with all the racism in the criminal justice system, so let's just let people out of prison and not prosecute them in the first place. That's not, that's not addressing root causes of racism. That's just undermining the law. That's all that is. Mayor Eric Adams, the African-American mayor of New York City, has adopted a very clear tone of we need to knock this crap off. We need to stop this in America's largest city. And you could have this same conversation in any blue state in the country, any city really in the country, with only a, a you know a few exceptions, uh, where there's a progressive prosecutor, you have this problem. Uh, where there's a progressive prosecutor, it's an issue you have to handle. Here's some of the stuff that that Adams is saying. This is from a press conference that they did. In this. I just want to well, actually here. We actually have some of this. Here is Eric Adams saying that the criminal justice system is broken. Our criminal justice system is insane. It is dangerous. It is harmful. And it's destroying the fabric of our city. Under the current law, judges are not allowed to consider whether someone is a threat to public safety when deciding whether or not to hold them in custody. This is a big mistake. As a result of this insane broken system, our recidivism rates have skyrocketed. 
recidivism has skyrocketed. Now, this is completely contrary to the promises made by the Soros progressive prosecutor types. San Francisco, New York, Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, St. Louis, Houston. Go down the list. Go down the list. Milwaukee, Detroit, progressive prosecutors and all these places. Soros, it took him years, seated these progressive prosecutors everywhere. And the crime rates are way up and the murder rates are way up. Not, you know, 5%. They're up 30%, 50%. Depends on the category you're talking about. And speaking of the numbers, all right, let's dive into the numbers here in New York City for a second. Mayor Adams said this. He said, let's look at the real numbers. In 2022, 25% of the roughly 1,500 people arrested for burglary committed another felony within 60 days. That's 393 people who did the same thing. In 2017, before the changes in the law, before the progressive prosecutors came along and got their way, 7.7% went on to commit another crime. For grand larceny in 2022, the 60-day recidivism rate was 16.8%. 310 people compared with 6.5% in 2017. Um. So you have recidivism rates tripling, quadrupling, just a matter of years. Why is that happening? It's not because of COVID. It's not because of, you know, whatever they're going to throw your way with. Oh, you know, it's it's just the system is having it. No, they changed the system and they made it worse and they made it so that we aren't as safe as we were before. Mayor Adams keeps going here. Actually, no, this is Chief Michael Lepetri, crime control strategies chief of the police department, the NYPD. He said, in New York City, we have identified 716 individuals who are responsible for 30 percent of the shootings in the last year or so. We're a city in New York of eight million people. You have. 700 people, give or take, who are responsible for a third of the shootings. I mean, you, 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 could, you could fit all these people in, you know, uh, a, a high school gymnasium. I mean, th- this is not a lot of people, friends, who are committing 30. I know there's, there's other people that are committing shootings, too, but just to give you a sense of how concentrated crime really is. There were 2,400 shooting incidents in New York City. And 716 people have been responsible for 30% of those shootings. Each of the uh, individuals are under investigation, he says. Each one already have, uh, I'm sorry, 54% of them already have a felony record. So 0.008% of the New York City population is responsible for 30% of the shootings. What do I keep saying? They say, oh, the criminal justice system is racist. It's racist. So and then there's all these all these shootings are happening. And they say it's racist because there's a disproportionate number of individuals who are arrested for serious crimes who are black and Hispanic. However, what they leave out of all of this is that what about the ninety nine, you know, ninety nine point, you know, whatever. I can't even do the math percent of black and Hispanic people in New York. Who aren't committing any crimes 
and just want to live their lives in safety. How about them? How about we focus more on their needs? How about we focus more on the 99% of black residents and Hispanic residents of New York who are law-abiding and worry less about hurting the feelings of the less than 1% who are committing a huge percentage of the overall violent crime in the entire city? I mean, think about what's going on here. You've got thousands and thousands of burglaries and robberies and homicides and all these things together. How many people are really committing them in the whole city? 10,000 committing a huge percentage of them, maybe 20, 30,000 who are committing most of the really violent crimes and, and most of the really serious crimes, I should say, serious property crimes. Maybe, here's an idea. We just focus on taking them off the streets, incarcerating them, and making life safer for the 99% of everybody else, including the 99% of minorities of black and Hispanic residents in the city of New York who aren't hurting anybody and who are obeying the laws and want to live their lives in peace. It's just an idea, Libs, right? This is what the progressive prosecutors, oh, they whine, they say, oh, but what about this? They find some case of somebody who, you know, oh, it was a murky circumstances, three-strike law, and everyone feels badly about it. Yeah, there is good. It's not a perfect system. And where there is true injustice on an individual basis, we should rectify that. But you don't rectify injustice by just saying, ah, this guy's only done three armed robberies. I don't think he's going for, he's only done 15 burglaries. I don't think he's going for number 16. You know who he's stealing from? People in his community. You know who's suffering from this? Low-income people who are trying to do the right thing every day. They're the ones being victimized. They're the ones being attacked, having things stolen from them. But people like Nancy Pelosi are, uh, the police, you can't trust the police, from her mansion. She's such a fraud. CNN anchors, oh, oh BLM, I really support BLM. And I live in a $7 million co-op in New York City, but oh, BLM. Such frauds. They're such frauds. Can't we all see it? And Mayor Adams, even he's got to be tired of these idiots. He's saying the right things right now. You see, I always tell you this. I give credit where it's due. Adams has not done a good job so far in terms of the numbers. But he is saying the right things now. And we need other Democrats to say the right things and follow it with action. Hopefully Adams follows it with action. This is this would be major. All right, and then there was the gain-of-function uh, hearings up on Capitol Hill. Just a couple of minutes on this. I mean, here's MIT professor Kevin, Do- uh, Dr. Kevin Svelte. MIT is a pretty serious place on gain-of-function studies and the security risks from them. The question is, if they were not intending to determine whether a novel recombinant event between these coronaviruses could lead to something that might kill millions of people, then why were they doing it? If there was no chance that it would come up with a result that looked like it was more dangerous, what's the point? What's the scientific hypothesis? So, again, whatever you call it, what they were trying to do was identify a biological agent that has a good chance of being able to kill millions of people if released. And they shared the description of what they did, and they shared the genome sequence because they thought that this would make us safer because they think that knowing which viruses in nature might cause pandemics makes us safer. They did not consider the security risks. Seems like kind of a big deal, doesn't it? They figured, hey, let's just mess around with a virus and gain a function research at places like the Wuhan Institute of Virology with American taxpayer 
funding, in part, not all of it, but in part, um, they just figured, well, this will be a good thing for science to know. So they started tinkering with viruses to see if they can make them more dangerous so then they can put the more dangerous virus information out there so that we would be prepared in advance. Well, what happens if the virus gets out, though? What happens if you create the problem you think you're averting by getting ahead of it? Yeah, pretty serious. This uh, MIT professor uh, went on here. Play clip two. And it's worth noting that both USAID and NIH funded those particular coronavirus chimera studies. USAID, to my understanding, has since disavowed those chimeric recombination studies and announced that they will only focus on finding natural pandemic-capable viruses, which is at least a step in the right direction. But again, I would call that gain-of-function. Another reasonable scientist would say, no, that's not gain-of-function because the term is so ill-defined. Yeah, because the term is ill-defined. Do you think maybe the bureaucracy was playing, playing games here? I do. Do you think they decided they could get away with this? I do. Here's just one more on the possibility of these becoming WMDs. Here's Rutgers professor Ebright talking to Josh Hawley about gain-of-function research of the kind that you know Dr. Fauci, through cutouts, was helping to fund in China. Gain-of-function research and bioweapons, what's the connection there? I mean, what role does gain-of-function research play? As I mentioned, there are no civilian practical applications. There are immense bioweapons practical applications. As you've heard from Dr. Esfeld, the potential pandemic pathogens that can emerge from such studies are potential weapons of mass destruction, inexpensive, accessible, easily distributed weapons of mass destruction. Potential WMDs, the kind that would hit all over the world and kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Maybe we should have had more of a discussion about whether this should be something that anyone anywhere in any facility should be engaged in as research. A lot of people look at this, though, and saying maybe, at least in this instance, it's too late. Thanks for rolling with, team. Make sure you check out the Clay Travis and Buck Saxon show today. I'm going to be in solo because Clay is on vacation. So you got me for three hours on that podcast. Just doing my thing. Clay Travis and Buck Saxon show. And if you don't already subscribe to that, you listen to this, please subscribe there as well. Talk to you tomorrow. Shield time. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and builds specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades-in-arms nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 